There's just a lot of stuff going on, right? It reminded me of a story of this, uh, this grandmother that instead of sending gifts, she decided she was going to send uh, cards to all of her kids and grandkids with uh, checks in it just so that they had cash. And she sent the cards and then she came to this realization that she forgot to send the checks. And so all of the kids and grandkids open up the cards and in, inside the card, all it says was, buy your own presents. Because in this craziness, we forget some things. And when we look at Luke chapter 2, and we read the story of the gospel, and this is, this is what it is. This is the good news. Okay, This is the good news that we celebrate. It's the gospel. But this particular passage says, do not be afraid. And do not be afraid is in the Bible 365 times. So that every single day, you and I can be reminded not to be afraid. But this is what he's saying. He's saying, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy for all people. And this is what we celebrate, that there's great joy, not just for Monroe County. There's great joy, not just for people in St. Louis. There's great joy, not just for people that were born in a certain uh, type of family. There's great joy that's available to all people everywhere anyone. And this is the gospel. This is what we celebrate. And this is what we have to understand. Paul wrote to the Roman church, and I'm going to read a lot from the book of Romans. And he wrote to the Roman church, and he said this. He said, the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness, of peace, of joy in the Holy Spirit. He's saying, listen, we got to not make things certain things. We got to stop making big deals out of things that aren't big deals. Anybody have anybody dramatic in their life? Yeah, you can raise your hand. If you're not raising hand, it's probably because it's you. Just throwing that out there. You're like, no, nobody dramatic in my life. Oh, wait. You make a big deal more than it should be. He's saying, listen, the kingdom of God is not about what we're eating or drinking. It's not about rules and regulations. It's about living a life of righteousness, of peace, and of joy. Like, this is the point. This is why we do what we do. Jesus is talking to religious people in Matthew 23, and he says, listen, you guys are so concerned about doing legal things and, and the law and all these things, he says, and he uses this word, but you've neglected the weightier matters of the law. What were the weightier matters? Justice, mercy, faithfulness. And then he says, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. He's not, he's not saying you don't keep the law. He's saying you've made the law the main thing. Stop making it the main thing. He's like, you've neglected the real issue. Justice, mercy, being faithful. It's the same thing Paul was saying. He's like, guys, listen, this is the kingdom of God. It's not about eating or drinking. It's about living righteous. It's about living good. It's about having peace. And it's about having joy. So Paul asked a question to the Galatian church. I'm going to ask it more than once because sometimes we need questions asked more than once. But he asked the Galatian church, he said, what, what happened to your joy? See, every single one of us in life, no matter where we're at, no matter what we go through, no matter what season of life, this is going to happen to every single one of us. Maybe once, maybe you're like me, it's happened 100,000 times. But it's going to happen to every single one of us where we're going to come to this place in our lives and we're going to say, is this all there is? Is this it? Like, is this it? Is this, is this all that I have in life? 
And Paul was saying the same thing that they said in Luke 2. Joy was born 2,000 years ago so you and I can live. And not just live, but live righteous and live at peace and live and have joy. So what does this look like? What does is, what is living righteously look like? Romans 1.17 says, For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is from faith to faith, just as it's written, the, the righteous will live by faith. This is this barometer, righteousness, peace, and joy. It's this barometer for us as individuals. How do I live when something happens in my life? If I'm living by faith, I'm choosing righteousness. If I'm not living by faith, I'm choosing fear. I'm choosing insecurity. He's saying, listen, this is not me. I'm asking you to live a life of righteousness, peace, and joy. So he's saying right here, this is a gift. This is Romans 3. And now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses. Prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes this is the best part. No matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, he just throws everybody in this category. He's like, listen, I know we're all here. I know we're all different backgrounds. We've got different clothes on, different styles, and, and different all these things. But all of us in this room, we got one thing in common. We've all sinned. Nobody different. You and I, we make sins big and little. God does not. He says, listen, all of us in this room, the same grace that was extended is extended to every single one of us, no matter who you are, because we've all sinned. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. And this is the center of the gospel. It is a gift of righteousness that God credits to our account. Tomorrow you're going to probably give some gifts, hopefully give, get some gifts as well. And if we gave a gift tomorrow morning, don't try this by any means, but if you gave a gift and you said, hey, I'm giving you this gift, but it has strings attached to it. This gift, hopefully it's not a vacuum cleaner, right? Hopefully that's, you're not giving your wife or mom a vacuum cleaner. It's super awkward. But anyway, so it's, here's a gift, but it has strings attached. And this string that is attached to it, you will have to do A, B, and C to keep my gift. It's not going to go well for you. This is not going to be good. He says, listen, I've given you the gift of righteousness, and because I've given you this gift of righteousness, it's yours. Not because you've done something. Not because you're cool. Not because of where you're born. I'm giving it to you because you're my son and daughter. I have two sons, two daughters. I give them a gift not because of what they've done, but who they are. He says, listen, I've given you this gift of righteousness. And this gift that I've given you is to live a life of righteousness. And because I give you this gift, use this gift, this life-changing gift. Use it. There's nothing worse as a dad to walk into your kids' closets and to see something you bought them with tags on it. Right? It's like, that is so bad. My kids are such punks, right? It's like, why? Why did that happen? Why is this any different spiritually? He's given us this gift of righteousness, and he says, listen, I need you to use this gift. Everywhere that you go, so he says, live a life of righteousness. So what does it say, Romans 4, 3, about the scripture say about Abraham? It says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Lots of gifts. There's an illustration about a butcher. 
a butcher that worked cutting meat for people, and, and the butcher was asked, what was the difference that, made, that it made to him when Christ entered his life? Like, what was the big difference when Jesus came into your life? Like, what was the big difference? And this is the butcher's response. He said, the difference was I stopped weighing my thumb. You see, what happened was the butcher, when he was cutting meat or lunch meat or any kind of meat for somebody, he'd have his thumb secretly on the scale, weighing the scale down. He was cheating him. And when Christ came into life, he stopped putting his thumb on the scale. And he stepped back, and he let the scale tell the truth. And then he started adding meat on the people that he had cheated over the years. And he said, that was the difference in my life when Christ came into it. He chose to live righteously. Now, a lot of those people didn't even know he's being cheated, but he knew they were being cheated. And because he knew that, he had to do something different. Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus. He says, listen, it's not just living a life that's righteous, it's living a life of peace. There's something that happens when I live at peace. Paul says, this is the essence of the kingdom of God, that there's a state of being at peace with God. Like this Christmas, he says, listen, I did not make you peace lovers. I made you peace makers. I made you to be people that make peace. And he's like, listen, this is at the core of who we are, that we don't just live righteously, but we live at peace because we can have peace with God. That ultimately means we can have peace with others. And that's difficult. Because I don't know that we love peace. You know why? Because it's awkward. In living righteous, I have to do something. To answer the question, what happened to your joy, you know what I have to answer? Or, or I have to admit? I have to admit that I even lost my joy. So to make peace with people, what I have to do is I, I have to come to people and maybe say to them, I was wrong or I need you to forgive me. And so it's not so much that I can just repent to God and go, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. Now I got to make peace with other people. He's saying, listen, it's not enough that we just make peace with God. It ultimately needs to reflect that we make peace with others. This is what's hard because it ultimately leads to the third one, which is joy, and I can't have joy without righteousness and peace. Because a great contender for my joy is sin. So I can't have joy and sin. I can't be complaining and thankful. These, these are oxymorons that I cannot do if I'm living this life. If I'm living a life of unrighteousness, I'll never have joy. And this is what he's saying. He's saying to live a life not just that's righteous, not just that's at peace, but living a life full of joy. And so he comes back to, so what happened to your joy? The kingdom of God is joy. It's a very interesting question. So how do you, how do you get your joy back? How, how do you make peace? How do you do these things? Well, first, you have to admit. And secondly, you have to do a couple other things. And because you're the last service, there's still only five, and I will keep my time the same as I did in all the others. You're welcome. We can be joyful because we are alive. As much as I can see in this room, you're breathing. Some of you might be nodding. Some of you might be lip syncing. Some of you might be singing like mom was singing. Regardless, you're alive in this room. 
And because you're alive in this room, because you have breath in your lungs, we should be joyful just on that alone, on the fact that we are alive in this moment, that today, December 24, 2019, you woke up. And because of that, we should have joy on that alone that we are alive today. It's a beautiful thing that we are alive. And because of that, Acts says, for he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. This is why I should be joyful today. I can be joyful because I'm alive. I can be joyful because we are blessed people. In this room, we are blessed. You have a lot of things. You have a house. may not be the house you want, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a joy in spite of. I'm talking about a joy in finding joy in the things you do have, not in the things you don't have. I have people all the time say, well, so-and-so might not be coming out for the team, or, or so-and-so may not be showing up. I say, listen, I don't coach the people that don't co- show up. I coach the people that do show up. God is no different. It's not that I'm focused on what I don't have. I'm not going to find joy there. I'm focused on the things that God has blessed me with. And when you can sit down and you can go, this I have, this I have. And then I can take James 1.17 that says every good and perfect gift is from above. I'll find joy there. I'll find joy there because I realize when I'm looking at what I have and not at my neighbors, I have joy. When I look at my neighbors, I lose joy. If I start saying things like, why does she get that? Or I know what they really do. How did they get to this place? Now I'm starting to compare my righteousness with their righteousness. I'm starting to compare with my morals with their morals. And that's not what you say. I'll never find joy in comparing my life to other people. I'll only find joy in realizing how much I have. And I think, I believe every person in this room, you could sit back and you can go, I could find joy here because I am blessed. Amen. We can have joy because of our people. <laughs> These are people that God has given you. These are paths that you've crossed with people. And I look across this room and I can see people that I do life with. People that know me more than just a stage presence, they know me in a deeper way and, and I see them and I can find joy just in that alone, that I have relationships in this room and that I've had memories and, and moments and, and this is very important for us because I think typically we complain about the people that are in our life instead of get, having joy for those people. And Paul told the Philippian church, if you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, If being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, agree with each other. This is crazy. Love each other and be deep-spirited friends. This This is crazy right here, but you know how to have friends? Be friendly. Mind blown, right? It's like, what? Do you know how to have friends? Be nice to people. It is like this incredible thing like people genuinely respond to kindness with humility with other kindness rarely are you going to be kind to someone and they're going to flip you off it's rare i'm not saying it won't happen sometimes you venture into some like enemy territory it might happen just because of what's on the front of your chest. It might happen, but I'm saying generally, people love being around people who are friendly. You know how to not have friends? Talk the way we talk sometimes. 
You know how to have friends? Like, just be deep-spirited friends by being kind with one another, by having conversations. See, you and I can find joy this Christmas by the relationships that we have for the people that are in our life, that God brought those people into your life for a greater purpose than I think sometimes we even see. And I can find joy there. 1 Corinthians says, and this is funny, 1 Corinthians says, shame on you. Surely there's at least one wise person. One translation says, in your circle, in fellowship, who can settle disputes among the friends. He's like, listen, um, among your circle, surely there's one smart person in your friend group. Surely there's one person that could come in and say, listen, let's make sure that we're settling the disputes. You know what I've come to realize? In my circle, I've started asking a question. I think this is a very important question. I'm not saying you have to do this. But I think it's important that you find out with the people in your friend group if they're for you or against you. How do you do that? You make it awkward. That's how you do it. Like, it's going to be awkward. Are you for me or are you against me? Do you want the best for me? Because if you want the best for me, then I'm going to listen to what you have to say to me because I know you want the best for me. If you don't want the best for me, we can't be friends. Anybody else? He's saying... You and I can find joy when we have relationships where we know people are for us and want the best for us and they're not against us. I can find joy and I can get strength there and I can have energy there. I can have all of these things and a lot of the buzzkill or the joy kill that we have in our life is the relationships that we have. Like they're killing your joy. What has happened to your joy? You hang out with some really bad people. Well, I have to work. Yeah, but you get to change culture. You don't have to have culture change you. I can find joy because I have Jesus. See, 2,000 years ago, joy was born. And because joy was born, he said, I can have joy because of what Jesus did. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. See, the message of Jesus brings great joy. The message of Jesus radically changes everything. The message of Jesus is that you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself. Not love your neighbor as yourself and then love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength because it is impossible to love people the way they need to be loved without a relationship with Jesus. Is that a bold statement? It actually is a very bold statement. And I agree 100%. With that statement. See, when my relationship with Jesus is out of whack, my marriage is out of whack. When my relationship with Jesus is being neglected and I'm not spending time with him and I'm not doing my devotionals and I'm not praying, guess what else is affected? Me. I'm not a very good person. I'm not nice. I find that who I am flows out of my relationship with Jesus. When people come and see me and they say, my marriage is out of whack, something's really going on with my husband or something really going on with my wife, our first question is, how are you and Jesus? Well, I haven't been to church in a long time and I, I don't ever pray and I don't ever read my Bible and I'll then say, it's gonna be very difficult to love your husband. 
Because the Bible says, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Because God knew there's no way you could love your neighbor as yourself if you don't first love him. Because me on my own, I'm selfish. I can find joy because of what Jesus did and who Jesus is. The joy set before him. And here's the last thing. See some smiles. Last thing. <laughs> we can be joyful because there is more to life than what you're currently experiencing. You can be joyful today. I can be joyful today because our life is not over. There is more. The Bible says that Jesus came so that we might have life, but not just life, life to the fullest. There is more than what you're currently experiencing. So when that question is asked, God, is this all there is? I feel like I'm going through the motions. I feel like I lost joy. I feel like I, feel like I don't have happiness. And you're saying things like, is this all there is? The answer is no, there's more. There is more than what you're currently experiencing. Ephesians 2 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for that. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece, and he has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. Paul, Paul told Timothy, I love the honesty of Paul. He said, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him, even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. In my insolence, I persecuted his people, but God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that came from Christ Jesus. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ came, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I'm the worst of them of all. This is Paul. He's like, I'm the worst one. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Paul's going, listen, you're not going to find a more worse individual on the whole planet earth than me. And that's extremely hum humbling, right? He's like, listen, for you to go, well, you don't understand what I've done. He's like, no, 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 I don't, but I'm the worst of the worst. I persecuted, I killed people, I did all these things. You, you, you will not measure up. If you start saying, I'm a horrible person, Paul's going, I'm the worst of them all. And even for me, there's more grace. There's more mercy. Even for me, there's more that God wants me to experience. He says, even for me, there's still a plan that God has for me, even though I'm the worst of the worst. So to answer your question, yes. I don't know when you'll ask that. I don't know what point you'll be in your life where you go, God, is, I'm calling out to you. Is this all there is? I don't know what your life will be like. For me personally, it was, it was the end of a dream. I was playing college soccer. I had an injury. I'll never play again. And God rattled my heart as I was laid up, broken bones, injured, knew I would never be the same again. And there's a point in scripture where the Bible talks about a wrestling with God that Jacob did. And it says, the Bible says that 
he had a limp the rest of his life. I will tell you, my ankle on a daily basis hurts. At the age of 28, I was told I need to have ankle replacement surgery. I never even heard of such a thing. And every time my ankle hurts, it's a reminder of where I was and what God did. That I was on my way doing this, and God goes, no, no, no. You have a plan to do this. Watch what I'm about to do. I still play, or attempt to. It still hurts, and every time it hurts, I remember. I remember where I was, what I was doing, and what God's call was. What his call was. You guys, hear me today. There is more. And you can find joy. It doesn't have to be mundane. It doesn't have to be empty. There is more than what you're currently experiencing. And Jesus is that more. He is that joy. That's what we celebrate today. Not just because it's December 24th. And Christmas is not a season. It is a lifestyle. It is a lifestyle. Not just in Santa Claus, Indiana. Right here. In our hearts. It is a lifestyle. Will you stand with me today? Just because I know we like equality, I'm on the same pace I was with the first two services. Speaking wise and all that. What these guys do, that's on them. Just throwing that out there. My responsibility though, I went timer wise. I went right there. Love four o'clock. Jesus God, thank you for every person in this room that you have a plan, you have a purpose and there is more that we get to experience. Maybe you're in this room today and you just go, man, I feel like I'm just going through the motions. I feel like I'm neglected. I feel like there's no plan. I'm lacking purpose. Just hear me today. December 24th, 2019, God still has a plan. His promise for you is still that he loves you. He's never turned his back on you. He's never forsaken you. That promise is still real today as it has ever been. And that joy can be restored. The Bible says that in Psalms that David prayed this. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And then he says this. And make me obey you. Make me obey you. This is a prayer that David was praying. He's like, make me. God is in the business of restoring and reconciling. You want to know who Jesus was? He is a great restorer. And he is a God that reconciles. Which means you've never been too far gone. No relationship is. Because that is his love for you. Amen. Amen. Let's sing the song together. Stars are brightly shining.